I stole a line from you, John. <laughs> what was that? Sometimes they write something like, damn, I wish I wrote that. And mm. and other times, it, it depends like how good it is. Like if sometimes it's so good, you don't even want to acknowledge it because it's just like, oh, man, that, that, that's very frustrating. Sometimes it's in like the 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 middle area where you go, like, hey, that's, you know, that's that's pretty good. Not bad. That's a good bit. But in this case, you had a just a specific sentence that was perfect. So I could slot it right in with, with you know, citation, of course. But yeah, it was it, it was good stuff. And it was. I should probably say what the line was, huh? Uh, you said Amazon isn't hurting for revenue, especially now, but they are hurting for trust. Yeah. Now, this was with regards to the Amazon supposedly using data from third-party sellers on uh, on their marketplace to sort of decide what goods, private label goods, they were going to build. The backstory on that line is interesting. It was the closing uh, line of my little link to the Wall Street Journal. I, I'm going to call it an expose, but I don't want to sensationalize it. But it was, you know, pretty pretty original reporting. But anyway, I linked to it. I had some commentary, and I had a – I forget what the typo was, but an egregious typo. Somebody pointed it out. I went to fix it, and I reread the paragraph, and then that line popped into my head. And I was like, ooh, I like that. And I – and uh, it was a case where if I had not made the typo originally, I guarantee you that line would not have been in the post. I would I would not have popped into my head later. It was I can very distinctly remember that the line popped into my head only because I went back to it to fix a spelling mistake or something. But it, it was it's a great sentiment because there, right. so just to big picture this, like this yeah. question of private labels has come up a lot with Amazon. And a very reasonable response is that everyone does private labels. Like Walmart does private labels, Target does private labels, Kroger groceries does private labels. And frankly, private labels are generally a good thing for particularly for customers. Like mm. you get products for a lower price because it's more competition. It's competition for the big guys. Generics in general are, a, you know, a good thing. And why shouldn't Amazon be able to do private labels? Can I go on a tangent real brief? Yes, please. When I was a kid, we did our family grocery shopping at a small regional chain called Pathmark. You probably never heard of it. I'm sure it was probably like somewhere southeast Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware-ish range, uh, probably even smaller. And we would go grocery shopping once a week, and I would have to go. And I always enjoyed it, though, because they had magazines, and I could look for a new issue of Mad Magazine. And so, you know, I figured out once every four weeks, I'd hit the jackpot <laughs> because it came out. But anyway, the thing that always struck me, and I was always very brand conscious as, as a child. I mean, I'm talking, I was, you know, six, seven years old. It was obvious to me that Pathmark had not one house brand. They had two. They had Pathmark branded stuff. And Pathmark had like a red, white, and blue, uh, very Americana, red, white, and blue colors. And their their Pathmark brand stuff was red, white, and blue. But they also had a brand called No Frills brand. And No Frills brand was a, always white packaging with black ink, just white packaging, black to say what it was. It, it was kind of, I think today would be so hipster cool. Because it was, and I can tell you, even though it was 40 years ago, that it was all typeset in Helvetica, like Helvetica Bold. Uh, would have been very hipster cool. But it, even as a wee kid, it, I, 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 even now, 47, I would love to know the backstory of how they had two house brands. And it seemed to me like 
Pathmark was their regular house brand and no frills was even cheaper because I would like compare the prices as like a seven year old, like, ooh, the no frills is even cheaper. This must be really garbage. You're right about the hipster cool. Like someone actually tried, they, there was a startup, I think it recently sort of flamed out, but it was called Brandless, where the entire point was we don't have a brand, right. which that was their brand. Uh, but but yeah, who knew these the, the Southern Pennsylvania grocery store had it figured out uh, yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I always, always, it's funny when you said you were brand conscious, I thought you were going in a direction of how you hated the store-bought stuff. And maybe that, that was your point. I definitely felt the exact same way. I was like opposed to it on principle. Like yeah. I, I wanted, it, maybe it was because my, I grew up relatively poor. And so my parents would always get the, the store, the store brand. And I always wanted to get like the real stuff. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, it turns out most of the time, well, it varies, I guess. Sometimes it is the real stuff. Sometimes it's just with a different name. Sometimes it is worse. Sometimes it's better, right? Like the whole right. Kirkland thing yeah. with Costco, where yeah. actually you should seek out the Kirkland stuff because they get it made by the actual folks. It's often high end. Like the whole like Kirkland vodka thing about where, what was it, Grey Goose or something like that? Yeah. And it, it's it's like widely considered among the best vodka you can buy, and it's but it's way cheaper. So, yeah. but you know, it, it's, it's an entire universe. Yeah. And Trader Joe's is all store brand, and it's we could do a whole show on Trader Joe's, but uh, well, Whole Foods too. I mean, Whole Foods yeah. has the whole health, uh, yeah. healthy choice or whatever it's called. Store brands are totally a thing, and yeah. Amazon should be able to have a store brand. Like, I don't think yeah. that I don't see how that's even remotely controversial. Right. The, the 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 issue here, though, what's happening here is Amazon. When you go to Amazon to buy stuff, it's actually two stores that are Guam together. Yeah. Store number one is the Amazon store, which is the same as any other store where Amazon buys a bunch of stuff and then they resell it. They buy it from wholesalers and they sell it to, to consumers. And they have to actually you know, hold the inventory and they have to ship it to you, et cetera, et cetera. That's store number one. That's where Amazon started. And it's still about half of their sales. Store number two is the third-party merchant place where basically you go – a third-party merchant can walk up to Amazon, put something up for sale. They can ship it to Amazon, and Amazon will hold it for them in their warehouses and charge a fee along the way, by the way. And then Amazon will list it. It looks like an Amazon product page. Everything is identical, and Amazon will fulfill it and package it and ship it, but it's sold by a third party. And Amazon is actually not carrying any inventory risk. All they're doing is charging a percentage of that, and they're they also again charge fees to hold right. it in their warehouses. But they are operating as you know legally speaking as like an agent, and, yep. and the third party merchant is the one that is selling it. And so the controversy here is Amazon using data from that part of the operation, not from their part of the operation, right. but from the, the the marketplace part. My analogy, tell me if you agree with it, and I because I've gotten pushback on this for the same reason that I think you have and everybody has, which is, hey, it doesn't everybody do this? Why is this controversial? And my analogy is roughly, and, and an analogy between brick and mortar retail and online retail obviously is going to have a lot of leaks in it because it's not the same in a couple of fundamental ways. But basically, Amazon as a first party store is like the anchor store at a brick and mortar mall, like a big old Macy's. But imagine if Macy's also owned the entire mall, including like the Foot Locker, 600 feet down the mall. You 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 feel like you've left Macy's, walked down the mall and there's the Foot Locker, but their landlord is Macy's. Well, that's Amazon. You know, then that's sort of like the third party thing. And like the Foot Locker at the mall isn't thinking that the Macy's big anchor store has all their sales data and knows how to knock off the Nikes that are being sold for $120 because they just think they're paying a lease and, and that's it. 
Right. It turns out Amazon provided them with like a cash register and they didn't realize that Amazon was actually then reading everything in the cash register. Right. Like that, 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 it's a good analogy. That, 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 that's exactly sort of like right. what's happening. It's, a, it's sort of like a, it's like a brick and mortar mall where you don't just get the square footage. You also get a cash register <laughs> and it right. just plugs right in. And Amazon – and then the other part of the controversy that has to be made very clear is Amazon has sworn up and down that they're not doing what this journal story says, yes, they are doing. And and they even went before Congress and, and testified and said, no, we're not doing that with the merchant marketplace merchants, even though there are some really suspicious examples of marketplace merchants who are only selling their stuff as third-party merchants in, at Amazon.com whose very popular items suddenly appeared as very similar looking Amazon basics items. Yeah. And I, I, there, there was like sort of mutterings about this a few years ago. And I, I kind of dismissed them to be honest, because my view was why would, you know, the future for Amazon, it's way more profitable and in the long run to be a pure platform, right? To let, let these other folks carry all the risk, let them carry all the inventory, let them, you know, build out a huge amount of selection on Amazon, without Amazon basically having to do anything and actually charging them along the way for the privilege. Why would you risk that by going in this, by, by going in this order? And this, you know, basically suggests again, unconfirmed, but it certainly strongly suggests that I was wrong, that Amazon probably was doing this. And then I sort of backed up and thought about it. And if you look at Amazon, like we, we've talked before, I think on your podcast, that Amazon and Apple are like opposites, right? Amazon is is very sort of modular and they have different pieces and Apple's all integrated. And it shows that there's two ways to run a company. You don't need to be the exact same. There's lots of ways to run a company, but they can be total opposites and be very successful. And, and you know, that that's fine. But if you zoom out, there's also a view of Amazon where they're actually extremely integrated. Like mm-hmm. they do everything. They 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 get the customers because the customers go to Amazon.com. That, that's what makes it so powerful. They have their own search engine that delivers results on Amazon, and they have their own ad empire that's completely self-contained on Amazon. They handle the payments. They package and ship the goods. They deliver the actual packages more and more. Like there, there's actual like Amazon trucks like outside your door dropping stuff off. And you think about it, actually, there's if you zoom out far enough, they're so integrated that it kind of seems inevitable in this view that, of course, they're going to take your data. <laughs> like that's right. that's what's like Apple looking at what app's super popular and say, oh, we should have that feature to an iPhone. Yeah. And that's something that Apple has been accused of is that because they own the app store now, they uh, can look at things like download numbers and people who opt into the usage numbers, even though it's completely anonymous, the aggregate usage numbers do get sent to Apple um, after voluntarily opting in and they can see what people are doing, you know. And, then yeah, and there's no, yeah, I don't think there's any evidence that Apple's like looking or is using or leveraging the, the data, but Apple, of course, regularly yeah. adds features to the operating system that used to be apps, right? right. Like there's a whole, like it's, they've been doing it since the Mac, right? It's called Sherlocking. Right. And, and we're kind of okay with it. Generally speaking, of course, there's always griping when it happens, but there's an acknowledgement that Apple is yeah. trying to build like an integrated entire thing. And yes, they have a platform for developers, but you're sorry, developers, you're not Apple's top priority. And this kind of feels similar. Like Amazon's looking to build the whole thing and they're, they have, you know, mar- merchants at, are their developers are along for the ride. But at the end of the day, Amazon is is only looking out for Amazon, at least when it comes to the store. It, it, it's, 
it sort of feels that way. I got the feeling from the journal story that it's not it, as integrated as Amazon can be in certain ways. It's also a, a federated collection of fiefdoms. And I kind of got the strong feeling from the article that it's not so much a top-down strategic let's rip off best-selling ideas from the marketplace. It was more like, okay, your team is in charge of the Amazon Basics brand. And if your team is the Amazon Basics brand, you're going to do well in Amazon as the Amazon Basics brand does well. And that team did what they could to glean the data from what they get from the rest of Amazon. You know what I mean? It was more like Amazon Basics looking out for Amazon Basics, not Amazon looking out for Amazon. No, I, 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 that's exactly right. I, I actually, I strongly suspect this was not a top-down initiative. I don't think that you send your counsel to, to Congress to you know, right. blatantly lie on purpose. Right. But the incentive structure was in place for this to happen. Yes. And, and, yeah. And, 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 that, and, that's the, and that's why I kind of like, that's what was my thinking here. Will you back up and look at Amazon? Yes, they're super modular, super federated, operate totally different than a company like Apple. Whereas, you know, if Apple were to do this, Apple would do it on purpose, right? Right. But this shows how powerful sort of the, the overall structure and incentives of your company can be, where I absolutely imagine it was the case, where there were people on a team with their own KPIs and their own goals, and they did what they had to do to accomplish those goals. And it just so happened that what they, you know, the, the easiest route available to them was to take advantage of the fact that Amazon does it all. Yeah. I mean, I first became familiar with the Amazon Basics brand through stuff like cables, charging cables. You get like cheap little lightning cables and stuff like that. And they sell battery packs and a bunch of consumer electronics, but they sell all sorts of stuff. I mean, one of the anecdotes from the journal story was a trunk organizer, which which I should probably buy now that I saw that it was a thing. I was like, hey, I need that. My trunk's a mess. <laughs> but it's like a thing you put in your, your automobile trunk. And then, you know, you, it has compartments that are cleverly designed for the type of stuff you typically put in a trunk. And then they made an Amazon Basics one that seemed largely based on a third party one. And I'm sure that the sales of Amazon Basics trunk organizers went way up. Yeah, and there's and they have a ton of brands too. It's not yeah. just those. So obviously, there's talk. You know, should regulators do something about this? Hmm. And you know, we, there's a discussion to be had. But your mall analogy is great. The only thing is, on the internet, like the mall is infinite. Like you, yeah. you can set up a new mall literally next door, and there's companies that will come in and do it for you, like Shopify or or things along those lines. And so it, it makes it the the analogy. That's where the analogy breaks down, right? Because there is nothing stopping a merchant from setting up their own mall. The problem is they want Am- access to Amazon's customers, right? They right. want all the upside of being on Amazon. And they don't want any of the downside, but right. there's nothing stopping them from breaking apart. Right. Because a big part of that upside is that the Amazon search box, as much as the Google search box is the search for almost all of the internet, the Amazon search box is really the search box for I want to buy blank. 